these meat plants sorry um they have a lot of things that china has bought here okay and um they've had you know china surrounded i mean i'm sorry they've had, uh, china's had taiwan surrounded the they're not a joke all right and yes uh, Taiwan has a lot of the world's semiconductors and uh, I think just we gotta just start preparing because World War 3 is gonna happen soon don't know when but it's gonna happen soon have done to the Russian military. It's just with precision-guided missiles, it's actually easy to destroy large massed forces of the kind China would need to blockade or invade Taiwan. It's just a matter of urgency and procuring those weapons. And we mess, the United States government messes with Taiwan, China will try to mess, might try to mess with uh, American government, the American citizens. War is big business. Don't care about the American citizens, just big business systems and deploying them before it's too late well again it's 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 sobering stuff that you're delivering but uh we need to hear it and we need to plan in some way for what might happen michael beckley great stuff thank you very much for being here appreciate it all right This one. So now we're going to talk about Alec Baldwin and the Russ situation. the The whole thing it, it was just shortcuts. People didn't want to pay the right people to make sure the set, everything on the set, you know, ran smoothly. And here we are. Here we are. Here we go. Break it down, attorney Bob Bianchi. And Bob, let's go ahead and start with that. Um, criminal charges here against Alec Baldwin. Are we gonna see something um, involuntary manslaughter or, or something else? Well, you know, as a prosecutor, especially in homicide cases, one of the things you have to do is you have to go to New Mexico law. You have to understand what it says. An involuntary manslaughter means you did not use due care and circumspection. Those are the words that it uses in, in order to prove an involuntary manslaughter case to 12 jurors beyond a reasonable doubt. You can be assured here there is something odd going on with the FBI report because, as was indicated uh, by your reporter, it is accurate that the lawyer is saying, and we just don't know uh, what the truth is here, that apparently this gun broke in two places when they were trying to test fire it. That certainly is going to go to Baldwin's defense if the prosecutor is going to file charges. Again, you got to think like a prosecutor thinks. Can I 12, 
prove that case to those 12 jurors. The other issue that Baldwin is going to rely upon is that it is clear that there are actors on sets and that they point weapons at people and pull triggers and that they are not the ones responsible for making the gun safe and make sure it's cold. Rather, the armorer and the assistant director, who in this particular situation admitted he did not check, right. handed Baldwin a hot gun. That said, last point, uh, one thing that's really going to be of interest to me is supposedly there is an information that says he ignored orders not to do this cross draw and point the weapon at a person or have his finger on a trigger. If, in fact, that's true, that could be something that proves a lack of due care and circumspection. I want to ask you a question about a, a point that one of um, our Fox colleagues made over the weekend in his analysis. Um, he, he essentially said that he wasn't sure that this should be a federal case. This is not a situation where Alec Baldwin clearly intended to kill this woman. That is not what happened here. Whether it's negligence, whether it's involuntary manslaughter, or whatever the case may be, that this should really be tried civilly. Well, I mean, the argument there is that if it's an unintentional killing, it can still be an involuntary manslaughter if you don't use due care and circumspection. But the point that that legal analyst is saying is that many times people die, it's unfortunate, it's tragic, it makes a great civil case. But before our laws criminalize conduct and, and force people maybe to go to prison, right. they put a much higher burden on it than they do in a civil case. It's much easier to prove. And final question, Bob. Um, you know, every attorney that I know was shaking their head when Alec Baldwin did that interview with George <laughs> Stephanopoulos. And he, you know, wanted to set the record straight. Um, I believe he was advised, you know, not to speak. That's what so many attorneys will tell you when something like this happens. Um, and there's an ongoing investigation. He was told not to sp Well, hey, I mean, Alec Baldwin has been known to ignore, um, has been known to do things like this. You know, not just do what he wants to do. This is it. Um, does that in any way uh, complicate matters with respect to what happened that day, uh, the weapon, all of these aspects, the fact that he came on, on TV, and, and I'm not going to say um, that he lied. I, I don't know that he did lie. He may really believe that that's what happened, that he didn't pull the trigger. He also, it happens in an instant. He might have pulled it and not, not even been aware of it. When I represent people that have a high public profile, they feel this need to go to the court of public opinion. And any decent criminal defense lawyer, whether you're innocent or guilty, is going to tell you, do not go there for the very reason that you're bringing up right now. Because one, it's not a good look. Two, if it turns out that what he said is not accurate, well, it may not necessarily lead to a criminal charge. Yeah. The fact is, he could also be charged if he said that to the police with obstruction of an investigation if it turns out not to be true. Bobby Anki, all great. Because it could be seen that you're trying to manipulate um, the court's decision on your fate. That's basically it. But a lot of things, you know, went wrong with this, you know, with this, the, the, the safety guidelines, um, the shortcuts, everything. All right. You have people driving miles away from the site when you could have put them in a hotel, but you didn't want to pay. Okay, so many things. The props, the person you handed to be the um, in charge of the the uh, the prop weapons. Okay, I think the what was the name? What's the name of the the title for that person? I think it's the armorer. You hired somebody with no experience. It's a whole bunch of things. The that the reason why it came down to this. 
a whole bunch of inconsistencies, laziness, slackness when it came to running a good movie production. Cast, crew, you just wanted to cut corners and this is what happens. All right. Now he he has to deal with this now. He has to deal with this. All right. And it's going to be a very big problem for him. Okay. When it comes to this. And he will possibly, he may, he may, he may face jail. I don't know. Because uh, he is high up there when it comes to social status and, you know, he, he's rich. So he could get, a, he could, you know, possibly just pay a fine. Who knows? If he's going to jail, he's going to jail. No one's, no one's above the law. All right. Pretty much. Well, uh, I'll read you the article right here. All right. Alec Baldwin has always insisted, despite all evidence to the contrary, that he didn't pull that trigger. The FBI now says that he did. The finding released over the weekend comes just after Santa Fe Sheriff's Office announced they are only waiting on Baldwin's phone records before sending their investigative file to the DA's office. Are the walls closing in yet, Alec? The FBI report is reason to cheer. Not since O.J. Simpson has we seen someone so guilty act so aggrieved, entitled, put upon, and victimized as if this whole tragedy has affected no one more than Alec Baldwin himself. Not Haley Hitchens' husband, nor her little boy, so traumatized after her death that he couldn't speak for days. But Alec Baldwin. Think that's an overstatement? Let me count the ways. Galvanating through the Hamptons on Vermont just days after the shooting, Baldwin shopping at Ralph Lauren and preening before the Paps, you know, the ones he otherwise hates and physically attacks, paparazzi, so they could get the perfect shot of Baldwin inside a gleaming restaurant holding his head in his hands. The bizarre roadside presser with his fake Spanish wife, the Rachel Dolezal of the Hamptons, in which he claimed the rust set was run by very, very, very well-oiled crew who just had the bad luck to suffer this one-in-a-trillion tragedy. Oh, he's lying. The barrage of social media posts in the days after Hilaria and Alec gloating over their family, that is, when Hilaria wasn't getting in on the victim act herself, writing that parenting through this has been an intense experience, to say the least. Know what else will be an intense experience? Criminal charges, jail time, and the loss of all his money in civil litigation. On Monday, the New Mexico medical investigator ruled the shooting an accident. The district attorney has yet to decide whether or not to file charges. Did I mention that Baldwin's thought there was no better time to buy a sprawling historic Vermont farmhouse for $1.75 million? You're possibly facing jail time and you're thinking about buying a house. That's how delusional these two are. How surely they believe Alec to be above the law or any consequence. As two firearm experts is on the set, safety told me last year, guns do not shoot themselves. Alec Baldwin, for all the crocodile tales and 
catwalling, pulled that trigger, and killed Haley Hutchins. I'm not aware of any gun firing itself. Veteran Hollywood firearms expert Steve Wolf told me last December that after Alec poor me softball sit down with ABC George Stephanopoulos, his good pal from the Hampton social scene, not that either disclosed that little conflict of interest. The trigger still must have been pressed, Wolf said. It's really important to discredit anyone who claims the gun fires themselves. If this becomes an acceptable defense, there goes any accountability when it comes to shooting people. We can't have this kind of gun shoot themselves thing. They don't. Former FBI agent turned Hollywood firearms consultant Bobby Cacklin told me the same thing. The bullet striking and killing that woman came out of the barrel of the gun pointed directly at her, Cacklin said. Bullets don't curve. He isn't in the matrix. The trigger would still have to be pulled. Alec to Stephanopoulos, I would never point a gun to, at anyone and pull the trigger at them. Never. Also, he was brazen enough to say he feels no guilt. Wow. Wow, Alec. This was the same interview in which Baldwin claimed Hutchins told him to point the gun at her. Everything is in at her direction, he said. I'm holding the gun where she told me to hold it, which ended up right below her armpit. Which is it, Alec? You'd never point a gun at anyone, or you pointed the gun at Hutchins because she told you to. And if it's the latter, what we are to infer that Hutchins is to blame for you pulling the trigger and shooting her to death? It's all so vile, but take heart. As a producer of On Rust, Baldwin may also share the blame for the rookie mistakes and, co and cost-cutting that led up to this tragedy. Just like I said, don't forget that on the morning uh, Hutchins was killed, seven crew members walked off the set over safety concerns. At least one had sounded the alarm to the unit production manager at one point texting, we've now had three accidental discharges. This is super unsafe. So, wait. Come on now. You said it was... Bro. And he's also part of the production, Alec Baldwin. Come on now. It was easy to see how much standard safety protocols were ignored and how dire warnings were shrugged off. As the old saying goes, the fish rots from the head. And Baldwin, as we've all seen over the past year, lives in a reality of his own making. His wife, Meet Hillary Thomas from Boston, is through sheer force of making believe in some bonds of Spanish. His great friendly Woody, his great friend Woody Allen is just misunderstood. Woody Allen, the pedophile, the, the guy who, who uh, was messing around with his underage daughter at the time. He's Mar married his uh, foster daughter. Okay. And, of course, it's totally proper to brag about you. your happy family life insistently on Instagram while ignoring your part in destroying another young family. In Baldwin's demented worldview, anyone who thinks he's responsible for the death of a beautiful young wife and mother for her whole life and career ahead of her, you must be motivated by ominous or greed, even the widower. He's definitely going to pay for this. Definitely. What you have seen is a certain group of people, litigants and whatever, on whatever side, who their attitude is. Well, the people who likely seem negligent have no money, and the people who have money are not negligent. 
This is what this is. This was Baldwin in March, weeks after the Hutchins widow filed his civil lawsuit against Baldwin, and went on to the day, under the day show, calmly expressing his justifiable anger over Baldwin's interview with Stephanopoulos, hearing him blame Hyanna in the interview and shift responsibility to others, and seeing him cry about it. I feel, are we really supposed to feel bad about you, Mr. Baldwin? I admire that man's courage. Hutchins went on to state the obvious, which, again, continues to elude Baldwin. Baldwin, who likes to pride himself on being smarter than in the average Hollywood duck, what with, this, what with his one-time NPR show and his best-selling memoir and his coverage in The New Yorker, telling The New York Times that he was qualified to be governor of New York. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. Oh, Lord, no. Oh, and his liberal bona fide with his SNL spoofs of Donald Trump, a man he has in more in common with than he could ever admit. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Least there remain any doubts as to who Alec Baldwin really is. Consider these text messages between Baldwin and Matt Hutchins, who Baldwin was so quick to befriend in, in the hours after the shooting. Wednesday, December 1st, 2021, after Hutchins reaches out to Baldwin. Hey, Alec Baldwin, I'm with my kids. Alec Baldwin again, your attorney told me not to contact you, so what's up? What's up? That says it all. That's Baldwin saying, why are you bothering me? What could you possibly have to say? Can't we just do this through lawyers? What are you, sad or something? Alec Baldwin again, make sure you tell your lawyer that you're reached out to me and not vice versa, okay? This is Haley Hitchens' husband. Of course, you always text me if you have something on your mind. All right, this is Alec Baldwin. Your lawyer sent a variant of a cease and desist to me, told me not to contact you, so there's that. How callous, how heartless, especially for someone who has spent the past 10 months begging for sympathy and understanding. Karma isn't big enough. Concept to describe what Alec Baldwin has coming. Fortunately for decent people everywhere, sloppy emotional ploys and disgusting attempts to blame the victim do not apply to the criminal justice system, the FBI, or the laws of physics. So, you know, there's that. This is basically the actions of a narcissist. And he's going to pay. He is going to pay. All right? Not only that, Every cast and crew member, if asked, is definitely going to go up on that stand and talk about the numerous safety violations on that set. A set that he had a hand in, he was supposed to provide safety, provision for the cast and crew. So, he's in trouble. Big trouble. Alright, next story. Talking about ATVs running amok like Mad Max at the Thunderdome. Let's get into that one. Is what was happening. This woman says it was too late. She had just turned the here at Montrose, in Montrose, rather, at Alabama Street, when she says she was surrounded 
by this group of off-road vehicles. This is absolute insanity. A Montrose woman stopped on the side of Alabama Street, surrounded by ATVs and dirt bikes, just trying to get to the grocery store. Nobody could go anywhere. She asked us not to identify her, sharing an experience she's never seen in her three and a half years in Houston. They kind of just took over all the lanes of traffic. We're doing wheelies and swerving around. A similar scene captured downtown last week. It looked like a hundred of them out there, so it, it looked like something out of a movie. Frank Lopez shot the video out of his third floor office at Rusk and Milo. We want to keep it safe to where, you know, uh, where when someone brings up the Skyline District, they're not like, oh, that's where that thing happened with those riders. Lopez is starting to see the riders more often. They're off-road vehicles being used on road. Former Houston police officer Tom Nixon says it's a problem HPD won't be able to tackle alone. Other agencies like HCSO or the constable offices will have to help. Now, you're not going to get everybody. It's kind of like fishing. You, you catch what you catch, right? But for drivers caught in the middle. Either slow down, get out of the way. You know, using your vehicle as an impact weapon is not the solution. It never is the solution. So here we are. A lesson this Montrose woman learned quickly. I couldn't move forward. I couldn't go backwards. So I just sat there. And tonight, HPD tells us it's aware of all the complaints surrounding these vehicles, which a spokesperson tells us are not street legal. But the department is still working to educate some of the leaders of these groups about the dangers to themselves as well as others. The spokesperson also tells us, though, that they're warning these groups that if it continues, tickets or arrests are possible. We're live in Montrose tonight. I'm Bryce Newberry, KPRC 2 News. All right. The best way to make money online. All right. So, I mean, people are going crazy. All right, you especially have these young kids. They're going on mopeds, especially where I'm in New York. All right. You'll see them. They will go crazy. They will start uh, thinking they could own the road. And you have them with ATVs as well. All right. They will do. They will do that, and they think that it's cool. All right, and you can't do that. It's insane, but that's what they do. All right, but. You know, chaos is reigning slowly but surely. I mean, society's breaking down. Law enforcement is quitting. And that's what they're doing. That's exactly what they're doing. And it's terrible. All right. But um, that's it for now. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed the live stream. And that's it. Everything you want to know about this uh, channel is in the description box. Like, share, comment, and subscribe. Later. Good morning. How are you guys? Okay. Hope everything is going well. 
just to brief you on some current events. So we're going to get into the new video evidence that prosecutors has displayed to the court about uh, Courtney Clinney's self-defense case. Let's get into it. Hard Talk Radio, live in 4K. All right, let's go. after a man was stabbed to death in a Miami apartment. Officers taking the victim's OnlyFans model girlfriend into custody saying she's the one that killed him. Local 10's Rosh Lowe joins us live from Miami with the disturbing developing details. Rosh. This case will come down to one thing and it will be fascinating to see this play out. Was this a case of self-defense or not? The video say prosecutor shows Courtney Clenny punching her boyfriend, Christian Obamselli, in a private elevator heading to their luxury apartment in Edgewater. Just over a month later, prosecutors say, Clenny stabbed Obamselli to death. The knife entered Christian's chest in a downward angle to, to the depth of three inches. Clenny goes by the name Courtney Taylor on social media. She is an OnlyFans model who had millions of followers. The arrest warrant spells out a tumultuous relationship with domestic violence on both sides. Their building staff and security documented so many incidents of arguments that management was moving to evict them. On the day in question, April 3rd, prosecutors say Clenny called her mom, who was on the phone at the time of the incident, they say. In the call to 911, Obamselli can be heard saying he is dying, and Clenny saying, I'm so sorry, baby. But it gives restored hope that even though delayed, justice will still come. Detectives spent months looking into whether or not this was a case of self-defense. Clenny said she was thrown to the ground. Cops say there was no physical evidence of this. Clenny also said she threw a knife at Obamselli from 10 feet, according to police. But the medical examiner's office said a knife thrown at this distance would not have caused a fatal wound. In the arrest warrant, Clenny tells police, quote, I do not think that this was, I don't know, I really don't know if this was justified at all. Clenny has been charged with second-degree murder. It's important to point out, although we stress that video and the state stresses the video, they say that is only a piece of the overall puzzle here, and you heard me mention the other areas of their concern. As far as Clenny goes, she is still in Hawaii awaiting her first appearance in court. She is expected to waive extradition and will appear in court here in South Florida in the upcoming days. I don't get that. She should be in Florida. She should be in Florida by now. She should be. All right. But as I said before, you know, this is something that, you know, you, you're a college graduate. You have a higher education. Um, you can't be with an OnlyFans model. Okay? This guy was simping. Unfortunately, simping got him killed. Because you can't... OnlyFans model is like a sex worker. We have new evidence now that... You know... She was, you know, assaulting him. Neighbors say they have been in so many fights. You know, the landlord wanted to evict them. Hopefully the Obenselli family gets justice. 
I hope they do. It's a sad situation, but it's a lesson to, for men that you cannot be with women like this. Okay? And try to parade them around your arm. Okay, these women are for the streets. Clearly for the streets. Cannot wife up these 304s. Cannot be in a relationship with 304s. That's what their job is, to be a 304. That's just basically it. Let's get into the next story about ASAP Rocky um, now facing charges for having a semi-automatic weapon. All right, let's get into that one. ASAP Rocky is facing charges in connection with a shooting in Hollywood. The rapper, whose real name is Rakeem Mayers, is being charged with two felony counts of assault with a semi-automatic firearm. The shooting unfolded in November of 2021 near Selma and Argyle Avenues. Prosecutors say Mayers pointed a gun at a former friend during an argument and fired twice. The victim suffered a graze wound to his left hand. Mayers is scheduled to be arraigned Wednesday yeah so I don't know what the welcome back now to the very the legal charges the with that, former you know. President Trump's Florida home investigators um, now trying to track down who may Sorry have been involved that. in the transfer all right there we go all right so let me bring up the article very short article it was a very short video so I'm bring the article up I just want to know what's the game plan for you know Rihanna for dating somebody like ASAP Rocky that's the thing man I mean women choosing the wrong type of men and they either you know it's on both sides people choosing the wrong type of people to be with and then these things happen all right so let's get into it okay asap rock will face criminal charges in relation to the shooting of a former friend of posse the asap mob Los Angeles district attorney george gaston announced the charges on monday Rocky's real name is Rakeem Mayers, 33, is facing two counts of assault with a semi-automatic firearm. Semi-automatic firearm. back Just facing a little technical difficulties here 
There we go. All right. So, let me start up here. Okay. ASAP Rocky will face criminal charges in relation to the shooting of a former member of the ASAP Posse. It was Posse the ASAP mob. Los Angeles District Attorney George Gaston announced the charges on Monday. Rocky, whose real name is Rakeem Mayers, is facing two counts of assault with a semi-automatic firearm. That thing could blow off a person's arm, put a hole in someone's head. The incident occurred on November 6, 2021, when his girlfriend Rihanna was four months pregnant. Sundress singer was originally taken into the custody in relation to the shooting at the Los Angeles International Airport in April 2022, a month before Riri gave birth. Rocky will be arraigned on August 17th in the courtroom in downtown Los Angeles. In a statement, Gascon's office discharging a gun in public place is a serious offense that could have ended with tragic consequences not only for the person targeted, but also for the innocent bystanders visiting Hollywood. And it continued, I also conducted a thorough review of the evidence in this case and determined that the additional of the special firearm allegation was warranted. Okay. Crazy, crazy stuff, man. Crazy. ASAP Riley, whose real name is Terrell Efron, claims the rapper shot him in the area of Selma and Argley Avenues in Hollywood following an argument. His identity was first revealed earlier this month on By Rolling Stone. Rocky is accused of approaching an Arelli on the street around 10:15 p.m. on November 6 and firing a handgun at him three times or four times. One of the bullets reportedly grazed Arelli's left hand and he was later sought medical treatment. After the shooting, Rocky and two other men who had reportedly been walking with fled the scene. Authorities collaborated with Arelli and were ultimately able to name Mayos as the suspect in the shooting. The case is still being investigated by the LAPD's Robbery Homicide Unit. Prior to his April arrest, a raid on Rocky's home saw investigators recover several firearms. In April, Rocky was held on suspicion of assault with a deadly weapon charge. Rocky, I'm sorry, the rapper was freed on a $55,000 bail. Early in August, Relly's lawyers told TMZ that the aspiring rapper has been hit with death threats and had been labeled a snitch following the shooting oh boy well Rihanna chosen the attorney said the relay has been in therapy since the shooting in a separate interview his lawyers told Rolling Stone that Riley was taking Rocky to civil court accusing Mr. Rihanna of causing irreparable harm to his career in the entertainment industry the legal team told the magazine after arriving at the location conversation ensued whereby without provocation, warning, or any justification, ASAP Rocky produced the handgun and intentionally fired multiple shots at Mr. Efron. Sheesh. The announcement of the charges against Rocky comes on the same day that Los Angeles District Attorney George Gasson survived a second recall attempt. In a region that has been seen, has seen rising crime and brazen smash and grab robberies and home invasions, Los Angeles County District Attorney George Gaston was faulted for criminal justice reforms that critics had said fueled lawlessness, which the top prosecutor disputed. Well, that's true because George Gaston has been hailed by many gangbangers as the person that's letting them back on the streets. Crime has been so bad in LA that. You know, people are targeting the, you know, the well-to-do districts and a white woman had to run for her life because 
they were trying to hunt her down for her jewelry. So she just threw the jewelry and they left her alone. Savages out here. Just complete, utter savages. The failed attempt comes after San Francisco voters in June recalled another prominent California criminal justice reformer, District Attorney Chisa Bowden. It was the second attempt to qualify a recall election that could remove Gaston after an initial attempt failed last year. Los Angeles criminal justice reform moved movement has prevailed against this community that prefers facts over misplaced fear. Christine Soto DeBerry, executive director of the Prosecutors Alliance that promotes reforms, said in a statement. In a tweet, Gaston wrote that he was grateful to move forward from his attempt from his attempted political power grab. All right, so next thing we're going to deal with is this migrant crisis. Yeah, man, it's getting real. It's getting real. But let's get into it. turning out of the controversy over migrants coming into the city and where they're being housed. And there now appears to be some inconsistencies of what the city is saying and what they have been documenting in official reports. Outside is Morgan McKay here now with details. Morgan. Stephen Lurie, there have been numerous stories that asylum seekers are spending nights in the city's PATH intake center, which is illegal in New York. But the city keeps insisting this only happened once. But a new report obtained by Fox 5 shows this might not be the case. New York City Department of Social Services Commissioner Gary Jenkins insisted last week that the city failed its legal obligation to house four migrant families only one time on July 17th. We are accountable for this shortfall and have taken steps to ensure this does not happen again. However, it must be emphasized that no families have been sitting for days in our intake center waiting for placement. But new data released by the Legal Aid Society and Coalition for the Homeless found that the city did not reflect this violation in their daily report. The report obtained by Fox 5 shows that on July 17th, the same day officials admit four families did not receive shelter, the city lists zero. Catherine Cliff, a staff attorney for Legal Aid, says these reports have been inaccurate for at least a decade and have failed to accurately reflect how many asylum seekers are receiving shelter. There are probably many families we haven't met who slept in the building and we're not getting accurate reporting on that. Um, and because of the lack of transparency with the data from this administration, we're concerned that there may have been additional violations that we don't know about. Commissioner Jenkins has come under fire recently after the city admitted that they did not realize they had a legal obligation to house asylum seekers. Legal aid and more have called for the department investigation to look into the city's handling of the migrant situation. Mayor Eric Adams on Monday defending Jenkins and continuing to insist that the four families who had to spend the night at an intake center was a one-time occurrence. He housed over 5,000 of those who were seeking asylum. Uh, he has been navigating the complexities that is associated uh, with housing in this city. I have the utmost confidence in him. I thank him for the job that he's doing. 
Now, a spokesperson for the Department of Social Services in a statement admits they did make an error in this one report, but going forward, they will make sure they are, quote, correct and consistent. So, you know, we have inflation, we have food pantries running out of food, people losing their jobs, homelessness on the rise, and you want to bring migrants over here? Illegal ones, too? And you have them staying in in homeless shelters. I'm going to tell you now, man, I really do think that you have... You know, the Democratic Party really trying to bring blue state cities into the ground. You're doing all the things that will cripple a country that no other country that wants to see their country thrive would do this. Especially if you're in hard times of inflation and you're trying to stay, keep your head above water. And when you're doing this, this is going to also bring crime. Don't think that, you know, every migrant that comes over to the to the America is a person that wants to do the right thing. You got gangbangers coming over here, criminals, crime mafias coming over here, and you want to try and open your arms to these people at a time when you need to be thinking about America first. So I really say, man, I really say this is just planned to destroy the country. Uh, the way of just doing it, and Eric Adams is doing a horrible job. One horrible job. That's what I could say. All right. So, what's up next? So, we could talk about China possibly pulling another Pearl, po- possibly pulling a Pearl Harbor. They weren't the ones who did it first, it was Japan. Well, let's, uh, let's get into it. China continuing to saber rattle. Our next guest writes in the Wall Street Journal, quote, Mr. Xi's China is fueled by a dangerous mix of strength and weakness faced with profound economic, demographic and strategic problems. It will be tempted to use its burgeoning military powers to transform the existing order while it still has the opportunity. Let's hear more from American Enterprise Institute's Michael Beckley. Michael, this was an extraordinary article, really extraordinary piece in the Wall Street Journal. I actually read it twice. It was so good. But uh, let's deal with the first part of that, the one that I just mentioned, that China is, it's economically weak now, particularly after the pandemic. It's still having these economic lockdowns that are hurting the, the, the world recession is going to affect it even more. But it is militarily at its peak, and that's a very dangerous combination. Absolutely. So China's coming off about a 10-year period of churning out warships and ammunition at a rate we haven't seen from any countries since World War II. 
And at the same time, the United States and Taiwan have been pretty slow about spreading out their forces, making them more resilient. So China has a window of opportunity where it could carry out a Pearl Harbor-style strike on American bases on Okinawa and pulverize Taiwanese forces before they get off the ground. On the other hand, by the 2030s, both the U.S. and Taiwan have ambitious plans to revamp their militaries. And by that point, China will have fallen off of a demographic cliff. It's going to lose 70 million working-age adults between now and the early 2030s, gain 120 million senior citizens. And its economy, which has already slowed to a crawl now, is going to be undermined by severe debt, a lack of productivity. And there could be a leadership transition because Xi Jinping will be in his 80s. But there's so much to chew on in what you just said. Let me just pick one little piece of it that I think is the most frightening for Americans. Uh, of course, most people weren't around in 1941, uh, but at a time when we were pushing economically against Imperial Japan, that's when they decided to go after Pearl Harbor, another base in the Pacific. Uh, is, is it conceivable, you think, that, that China would actually choose to pick on either Guam or Okinawa, one of our big bases where we have so many troops concentrated? Well, China literally has missiles that they call the Guam killers that they want to use to hit those bases early and hard in a war because they know if it does come to war, their only chance of victory is to knock out as many U.S. forces early in the crisis as possible. And I think you're right to bring up the Imperial Japan analogy. Hopefully, that, I mean, that is the most catastrophic scenario where a rising power reacts against a dominant power trying to choke out its economy by just starting a massive war, but I think you can't rule it out in China's place because China believes that there are lost Chinese territories that Xi Jinping has pretty much made clear he intends right. to take back on his watch, and there aren't peaceful means to do that given that the Taiwanese people absolutely do not want to reunify with the mainland. Now, let, explain for us the consequences. Assuming that, that China doesn't hit our military bases, but that focuses its attention on either an invasion or, or a blockade of Taiwan that would lead to uh, to it taking over the island, how would that affect our world economy? Well, I think, in, and keep in mind, Taiwan is a major economy. Uh, you know, it's in the top 20, and in terms of high technology, the semiconductors, the powerful computer chips on, for example, the computer I'm speaking Tihuan right now, many of those are manufactured in Taiwan, so global supply chains for technology would collapse. And, and let's be honest, I really think that if there is either an invasion, certainly if there's an invasion or even a blockade, the United States is almost surely going to get involved militarily, probably Japan too. And so the nightmare scenario we imagine for the crisis in Ukraine right now, direct clashes between two nuclear-armed great powers, would be the reality basically from day one of this war. You can imagine how that would easily escalate because either side that feels like it's losing might be tempted to escalate maybe by using low-yield nuclear weapons or by expanding the conflict horizontally to other theaters right. in order to prevent going down from defeat. Michael, before you go, I just I just want to, is it too late to, to do something, to somehow fortify Taiwan or, or the Taiwan Strait uh, to, to make it too hard for, for uh, China to invade? It's not too late. The Pentagon, many defense experts have all agreed on a basic strategy of essentially laying down a high-tech minefield around Taiwan, using lots of simple shooters and sensors to kind of do what the Ukrainians... I'm sorry, but that, that Taiwan cannot fight China, and the U.S. has to stay out of it. Yeah, um, China has been going through some stuff. They've been doing some crazy crap to their citizens. They're going through a lot of stuff, um, but... They still got big guns. Um, America's in debt to China. 
All right. They have a lot of property in America. Meat refiner, meat, uh, meat plant, meat factories, meat plants. Sorry. Um, they have a lot of things that China has bought here. Okay. And um, they've had, you know, China surrounded. I mean, I'm sorry. They've had, uh, China's had Taiwan surrounded. They, they're not a joke. All right. And yes, uh, Taiwan has a lot of the the world's semiconductors. And uh, I think just we got to just start preparing because World War Three is going to happen soon. Don't know when it's going to happen soon. And we mess, the United States government messes with Taiwan, China will try to mess, might try to mess with uh, American government, the American citizens. War is big business. Don't care about the American citizens, just big business. ...systems and deploying them before it's too late. Well, again, it's 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 sobering stuff that you're delivering, but uh, we need to hear it and we need to plan in some way for what might happen. Michael Beckley, great stuff. Thank you very much for being here. Appreciate it. All right. This one. So now we're going to talk about Alec Baldwin and the Russ situation. the The whole thing, it it was just shortcuts. People didn't want to pay the right people to make sure the set, everything on the set, you know, ran smoothly. And here we are. Here we are. Here we go. Break it down, attorney Bob Bianchi. And Bob, let's go ahead and start with that. Um, Criminal charges here against Alec Baldwin. Are we going to see something um, involuntary manslaughter or or something else? Well, you know, as a prosecutor, especially in homicide cases, one of the things you have to do is you have to go to New Mexico law. You have to understand what it says. An involuntary manslaughter means you did not use due care and circumspection. Those are the words that it uses in, in order to prove an involuntary manslaughter case to 12 jurors beyond a reasonable doubt. You can be assured here there is something odd going on with the FBI report because, as was indicated uh, by your reporter, it is accurate that the lawyer is saying, and we just don't know uh, what the truth is here, that apparently this gun broke in two places when they were trying to test fire it. That certainly is going to go to Baldwin's defense if the prosecutor is going to file charges. Again, 
you got to think like a prosecutor thinks. Can I 12, prove that case to those 12 jurors? The other issue that Baldwin is going to rely upon is that it is clear that there are actors on sets and that they point weapons at people and pull triggers and that they are not the ones responsible for making the gun safe and make sure it's cold. Rather, the armorer and the assistant director, who in this particular situation admitted he did not check, right. handed Baldwin a hot gun. That said, last point, uh, one thing that's really going to be of interest to me is supposedly there is an information that says he ignored orders not to do this cross draw and point the weapon at a person or have his finger on a trigger. If in fact that's true, that could be something that proves a lack of due care and circumspection. I want to ask you a question about a, a point that one of um, our Fox colleagues made over the weekend in his analysis. Um, he, he essentially said that he wasn't sure that this should be a federal case. This is not a situation where Alec Baldwin clearly intended to kill this woman. That is not what happened here. Whether it's negligence, whether it's involuntary manslaughter, or whatever the case may be, that this should really be tried civilly. Well, I mean, the argument there is that if it's an unintentional killing, it can still be an involuntary manslaughter if you don't use due care and circumspection. But the point that that legal analyst is saying is that many times people die, it's unfortunate, it's tragic, it makes a great civil case. But before our laws criminalize conduct and, and force people maybe to go to prison, right. they put a much higher burden on it than they do in a civil case. It's much easier to prove. And final question, Bob. Um, you know, every attorney that I know was shaking their head when Alec Baldwin did that interview with George <laughs> Stephanopoulos. And he, you know, wanted to set the record straight. Um, I believe he was advised, you know, not to speak. That's what so many attorneys will tell you when something like this happens. Um, and there's an ongoing investigation. He was told not to... Sp well, hey, I mean, Alec Baldwin has been known to ignore. Um, has been known to do things like this. You know, not just do what he wants to do. This is it. Um, does that in any way uh, complicate matters with respect to what happened that day, um, the weapon, all of these aspects, the fact that he came on, on TV, and, and I'm not going to say um, that he lied. I, I don't know that he did lie. He may really believe that that's what happened, that he didn't pull the trigger. He also, it happens in an instant. He might have pulled it and not, not even been aware of it. When I represent people that have a high public profile, they feel this need to go to the court of public opinion. And any decent criminal defense lawyer, whether you're innocent or guilty, is going to tell you, do not go there for the very reason that you're bringing up right now. Because one, it's not a good look. Two, if it turns out that what he said is not accurate, well, it may not necessarily lead to a criminal charge. Yeah. The fact is, he could also be charged if he said that to the police with obstruction of an investigation if it turns out not to be true. Bobbianchi, all great. Because it could be seen that you're trying to manipulate um, the court's decision on your fate. That's basically it. But a lot of things, you know, went wrong with this, you know, with this, the, the, the safety guidelines, um, the shortcuts, everything. All right. You have people driving miles away from the site when you could have put them in a hotel, but you didn't want to pay. Okay, so many things. The props, the person you handed to be the um, in charge of the the uh, the prop weapons. Okay, I think the what was the name? What's the name of the the title for that person? I think it's the armorer. You hired somebody with no experience. It's a whole bunch of things. The that the reason why it came down to this. 
a whole bunch of inconsistencies, laziness, slackness when it came to running a good movie production. Cast, crew, you just wanted to cut corners and this is what happens. All right. Now he he has to deal with this now. He has to deal with this. All right. And it's going to be a very big problem for him. Okay. When it comes to this. And he will possibly, he may, he may, he may face jail. I don't know. Because uh, he is high up there when it comes to social status and, you know, he's rich. So he could get, he could, you know, possibly just pay a fine. Who knows? If he's going to jail, he's going to jail. No one's, no one's above the law. All right. Pretty much. Well, uh, I'll read you the article right here. All right. Al Baldwin has always insisted, despite all evidence to the contrary, that he didn't pull that trigger. The FBI now says that he did. The finding released over the weekend comes just after Santa Fe Sheriff's Office announced they are only waiting on Baldwin's phone records before sending their investigative file to the DA's office. Are the walls closing in yet, Alec? The FBI report is reason to cheer. Not since O.J. Simpson has we seen someone so guilty act so aggrieved, entitled, put upon, and victimized as if this whole tragedy has affected no one more than Alec Baldwin himself. Not Haley Hitchens' husband, nor her little boy, so traumatized after her death that he couldn't speak for days. But Alec Baldwin. Think that's an overstatement? Let me count the ways. Galvanating through the Hamptons on Vermont just days after the shooting, Baldwin shopping at Ralph Lauren and preening before the Paps, you know, the ones he otherwise hates and physically attacks, paparazzi, so they could get the perfect shot of Baldwin inside a gleaming restaurant holding his head in his hands. The bizarre roadside presser with his fake Spanish wife, the Rachel Dolezal of the Hamptons, in which he claimed the rust set was run by very, very, very well-oiled crew who just had the bad luck to suffer this one-in-a-trillion t- tragedy. Oh, he's lying. The barrage of social media posts in the days after Hilaria and Alec gloating over their family, that is, when Hilaria wasn't getting in on the victim act herself, writing that parenting through this has been an intense experience, to say the least. Know what else will be an intense experience? Criminal charges, jail time, and the loss of all his money in civil litigation. On Monday, the New Mexico medical investigator ruled the shooting an accident. The district attorney has yet to decide whether or not to file charges. Did I mention that Baldwin's thought there was no better time to buy a sprawling historic Vermont farmhouse for $1.75 million? You're possibly facing jail time and you're thinking about buying a house. That's how delusional these two are. How surely they believe Alec to be above the law or any consequence. As two firearm experts is on the set, safety told me last year, guns do not shoot themselves. Alec Baldwin, for all the crocodile tales and 
catwalling, pulled that trigger, and killed Haley Hutchins. I'm not aware of any gun firing itself. Veteran Hollywood firearms expert Steve Wolf told me last December that after Alec poor me softball sit down with ABC George Stepanopoulos, his good pal from the Hampton social scene, not that either disclosed that little conflict of interest. The trigger still must have been pressed, Wolf said. It's really important to discredit anyone who claims the gun fires themselves. If this becomes an acceptable defense, there goes any accountability when it comes to shooting people. We can't have this kind of gun shoot themselves thing. They don't. Former FBI agent turned Hollywood firearms consultant Bobby Cacklin told me the same thing. The bullet striking and killing that woman came out of the barrel of the gun pointed directly at her, Calkins said. Bullets don't curve. He isn't in the matrix. The trigger would still have to be pulled. Alec to Stephanopoulos, I would never point a gun to, at anyone and pull the trigger at them. Never. Also, he was brazen enough to say he feels no guilt. Wow. Wow, Alec. This was the same interview in which Baldwin claimed Hutchins told him to point the gun at her. Everything is in at her direction, he said. I'm holding the gun where she told me to hold it, which ended up right below her armpit. Which is it, Alec? You'd never point a gun at anyone, or you pointed the gun at Hutchins because she told you to. And if it's the latter, what we are to infer that Hutchins is to blame for you pulling the trigger and shooting her to death? It's all so vile, but take heart. As a producer of On Rust, Baldwin may also share the blame for the rookie mistakes and, co and cost-cutting that led up to this tragedy. Just like I said, don't forget that on the morning of Hutchins was killed, seven crew members walked off the set over safety concerns. At least one had sounded the alarm to the unit production manager at one point texting, we've now had three accidental discharges. This is super unsafe. So, wait. Come on now. You said it was... Bro. And he's also part of the production, Alec Baldwin. Come on now. It was easy to see how much standard safety protocols were ignored and how dire warnings were shrugged off. As the old saying goes, the fish rots from the head. And Baldwin, as we've all seen over the past year, lives in a reality of his own making. His wife, Meet Hillary Thomas from Boston, is through sheer force of making believe in some bonds of Spanish. His great friendly Woody, his great friend Woody Allen is just misunderstood. Woody Allen, the pedophile, the, the guy who, who uh, was messing around with his underage daughter at the time. He's Mar married his uh, foster daughter. Okay. And, of course, it's totally proper to brag about you. your happy family life insistently on Instagram while ignoring your part in destroying another young family. In Baldwin's demented worldview, anyone who thinks he's responsible for the death of a beautiful young wife and mother for her whole life and career ahead of her, you must be motivated by ominous or greed, even the widower. He's definitely going to pay for this. Definitely. What you have seen is a certain group of people, litigants and whatever, on whatever side, who their attitude is, well, the people who likely seem negligent have no money, and the people who have money are not negligent. This is what 
This is this was Baldwin in March, weeks after the Hutchins widow filed his civil lawsuit against Baldwin, and went on to the day, under the day show, calmly expressing his justifiable anger over Baldwin's interview with Stephanopoulos, hearing him blame Hyanna in the interview and shift responsibility to others, and seeing him cry about it. I feel, are we really supposed to feel bad about you, Mr. Baldwin? I admire that man's courage. Hutchins went on to state the obvious, which, again, continues to elude Baldwin. Baldwin, who likes to pride himself on being smarter than in the average Hollywood duck, what with, this, what with his one-time NPR show and his best-selling memoir and his coverage in The New Yorker, telling The New York Times that he was qualified to be governor of New York. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. Oh, Lord, no. Oh, and his liberal bona fide with his SNL spoofs of Donald Trump, a man he has in more in common with than he could ever admit. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Least there remain any doubts as to who Alec Baldwin really is. Consider these text messages between Baldwin and Matt Hutchins, who Baldwin was so quick to befriend in, in the hours after the shooting. Wednesday, December 1st, 2021, after Hutchins reaches out to Baldwin. Okay, Alec Baldwin, I'm with my kids. Alec Baldwin again, your attorney told me not to contact you, so what's up? What's up? That says it all. That's Baldwin saying, why are you bothering me? What could you possibly have to say? Can't we just do this through lawyers? What are you, sad or something? Alec Baldwin again, make sure you tell your lawyer that you're reached out to me and not vice versa. Okay. This is Haley Hitchens' husband. Of course, you always text me if you have something on your mind. All right, this is Alec Baldwin. Your lawyer sent a variant of a cease and desist to me, told me not to contact you, so there's that. How callous, how heartless, especially for someone who has spent the past 10 months begging for sympathy and understanding. Karma isn't big enough. Concept to describe what Alec Baldwin has coming. Fortunately for decent people everywhere, sloppy emotional ploys and disgusting attempts to blame the victim do not apply to the criminal justice system, the FBI, or the laws of physics. So, you know, there's that. This is basically the actions of a narcissist. And he's going to pay. He is going to pay. All right? Not only that, Every cast and crew member, if asked, is definitely going to go up on that stand and talk about the numerous safety violations on that set. A set that he had a hand in, he was supposed to provide safety, provision for the cast and crew. So, he's in trouble. Big trouble. Alright, next story. Talking about ATVs running amok like Mad Max of the Thunderdome. Let's get into that one. Is what was happening. This woman says it was too late. She had just turned the here at Montrose, in Montrose rather, at Alabama Street, when she says she was surrounded. 
by this group of off-road vehicles. This is absolute insanity. A Montrose woman stopped on the side of Alabama Street, surrounded by ATVs and dirt bikes, just trying to get to the grocery store. Nobody can go anywhere. She asked us not to identify her, sharing an experience she's never seen in her three and a half years in Houston. They kind of just took over all the lanes of traffic. We're doing wheelies and swerving around. A similar scene captured downtown last week. It looked like a hundred of them out there, so it, it looked like something out of a movie. Frank Lopez shot the video out of his third floor office at Rusk and Milo. We want to keep it safe to where, you know, uh, where when someone brings up the Skyline District, they're not like, oh, that's where that thing happened with those riders. Lopez is starting to see the riders more often. They're off-road vehicles being used on road. Former Houston police officer Tom Nixon says it's a problem HPD won't be able to tackle alone. Other agencies like HCSO or the constable offices will have to help. Now, you're not going to get everybody. It's kind of like fishing. You, you catch what you catch, right? But for drivers caught in the middle. Either slow down, get out of the way. You know, using your vehicle as an impact weapon is not the solution. It never is the solution. So here we are. A lesson this Montrose woman learned quickly. I couldn't move forward. I couldn't go backwards. So I just sat there. And tonight, HPD tells us it's aware of all the complaints surrounding these vehicles, which a spokesperson tells us are not street legal. But the department is still working to educate some of the leaders of these groups about the dangers to themselves as well as others. The spokesperson also tells us, though, that they're warning these groups that if it continues, tickets or arrests are possible. We're live in Montrose tonight. I'm Bryce Newberry, KPRC 2 News. All right. The best way to make money online. Alright. So, I mean, people are going crazy. Alright, you especially have these young kids. They're going on mopeds, especially where I'm in New York. Alright. You'll see them. They will go crazy. They will start uh, thinking they could own the road. And you have them with the ATVs as well. Alright. They will do. They will do that, and they think that it's cool. All right, and you can't do that. It's insane, but that's what they do. All right, but. You know, chaos is reigning slowly but surely. I mean, society's breaking down. Law enforcement is quitting. And that's what they're doing. That's exactly what they're doing. And it's terrible. All right. But um, that's it for now. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed the live stream. And that's it. Everything you want to know about this uh, channel is in the description box. Like, share, comment, and subscribe. Later.